fuck you, the man. And uh, two policemen kissing, yeah, wow. And a uh, uh, gun, but it's a banana. Yeah! Can I, can I have my money now, please? Up yours! And please welcome the man it's all occurred to, Richard Harry! Thank you very much. That is how up to date we are. Most of our audience don't even know about the Banksy and the Simpsons things. You people at home, we're, we're, you'll know what we're talking about. Hello and welcome to the landmark 20th episode of the show that all the cock-sucking cowboys and cock-munching cannibals and serial killers who make necklaces out of vaginas are calling A.I. Ottima! <laughs> That's you then, it's the totally unedited internet stand-up and sketch show, which is more hastily constructed than an Indian Commonwealth stadium. <laughs> With jokes as solid as a Chilean mine, and laughs as dependable as a weak reference to something that is currently in the news, which apparently passes for comedy with the feckless, cockless British public. Uh, I don't know, something about Gamu. <laughs> you fucking idiots. Back in 2009, a youthful 42-year-old Richard Herring had an idea. He thought, Oh, I'm fed up of having to pitch my ideas to stupid TV executives who make me take out all the rudy jokes and change the format and then don't put it on the telly anyway. Oh, you want me on the telly? Why don't I make my own self-indulgent comedy show and put it out on internet? I could call it As It Occurs To Me because it would be both about both things that had happened to me or that I had thought about that week. Two meanings of occurs. Ha ha, I am funny. I can put it out for free, but fund it by charging people to come and see it live. How could such a brilliant economical model fail to be anything but a success? I will definitely get back on the telly. That's the only reason I'm actually doing it. Let me back on the telly. And you know, a year on as I look out on the quarter full Bloomsbury Theatre. <laughs> I realised that all my dreams have come true. That I tell you what, the 2009 Richard Herring was a fucking idiot. I I hate him. What was he thinking? Give it to free on the internet. If I could get my hands on that, I'd give him such a hiding. But as we wrestled on the floor, I'd soon be embracing and kissing him and his his youthful 42-year-old body. I I can't stay mad at him for long. Let's act that out, Dan. No. Come on! Oh, come on, you were very keen to do that hilarious satirical impression of me before, when you now suddenly you get all coy. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to be kissed by you while pretending to be you. I think that's weird. You did the voice, you are a cock-teasing whore. Yeah. Well, look, just put on this Richard Herring mask and take your top off and your trousers off and oh. dance over there whilst I sit in this high-backed armchair with a... <laughs> Little semicircular toilet man. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not sure. Do you want your eighty-five pounds and eleven pence or not? All right. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, do it. Yeah, dance like that, bitch. Yeah. Yeah, these are the extra visuals you get when you come down to see the show live. <laughs> Topless Dan Tetzel dancing in his pants in a Richard Herring mask whilst I flagrantly masturbate. Yeah, that might explain the poor attendance. Less, less chatting, more gyrating, Tetzel. And uh, while he's doing that, please welcome the rest of AI Ottoman. Along with dancing Dan Tetzel with pants now bulging with the one-pound coins placed there by a roused businessman, is TV's Emma Kennedy wearing a gimp mask and a Bugs Bunny costume whilst frigging herself off with a table leg. 
Christian Riley in nothing but a cowboy hat. Hello, guys. Hi. All right, you can. It's all right. You can. You can stop dancing now, Dan. I've ejaculated. It suddenly seems a shameful thing to do. What has occurred to you apart from that uh, since the last episode? I've pretty much wiped everything else out. Uh, I some men shouted at me from a taxi in Hammersmith. Uh, they, were, they were on the way to the football, I imagine. They were bald. Uh, there were four of them. And they shouted, Hey, mate! Are you... Dad? So they were uh, obviously humorously comparing me to someone's dad. So that I looked like an old version of someone. But I couldn't hear who that old version was. <laughs> the younger version was. And it's been bugging me all week about who it was. I was wearing a slightly stripy top, so it might have been... Where's Wally? Where's Wally, yeah, yeah. Could have been the little kid from EastEnders. Could have been the little kid from EastEnders. Is that? Yeah, but then that's Phil Mitchell, isn't it? And they look like <laughs> Phil Mitchell, so they would... They would know. It probably wasn't my daughter. That she doesn't have many friends. Uh, <laughs> 18, and certainly no, not ones that go to the football in a taxi. So. Yeah. It's Any a mystery. It's a yeah. mystery, yeah. If anyone knows. Harry you... Potter, maybe. I could have had that one. Had that Harry Potter's dad, because you've got glasses. Yeah. That are playbook, you, that are playbook. you Eric Morecambe's dad? <laughs> they thought you were really old. Yeah, yeah. A taxi driver once asked me if I served in, did national service in Malaya. <laughs> <laughs> 23 years old he is in reality. Uh, how about you, Christian? Anything happened to you this week? Uh, well, I was thinking about things that happened between the last one we did. Yeah, of course. Now, That's now when you were up in Edinburgh in the last weekend, I went to Leeds to do the Leeds Festival, oh, yeah. the Rock Festival, and in a tent of, I don't know, 2,000 people, three people went, hey, I ought to go on stage. That's the kind of ratio we're getting. So I'm really, I'm chuffed about that. Um, and then one kid, a kid, went, twitutting. <laughs> Even the people here don't know what the fuck that means. And so, so, you know, so I was very... Was he one about. of the same people who knew A.I. Ottoman? A.I. Ottoman? <laughs> or was he turned into like a church service? <laughs> 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 It gets more casual as we get older with that. <laughs> That's very good. Well, I'm glad to know. Who, who remembers Tototin? Tototin! Not as many people. Uh, anyway, Emma, what's, yes. what's been going on in your life? Oh, I do, I, 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 it's sort of Chiddler based. Um, this. Chiddlers? Chiddlers. Chiddlers child. Um, child based. Uh, I, I went to a school in Wimbledon on Friday to, to give a talk to some to 258 year olds. And, wow, um, fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> Did they manage to get more than one of those together? Imagine from Tibet, there might be one person in Tibet coming in. Going, Why is this woman talking about Wilma and fucking Harry Potter witch or whatever it's called? Wilma Tenderfoot. And it jealous. And um, how many books have you sold? <laughs> Grown up books. I oh, know, actually. Yeah. Actually, you know. <laughs> Well, I've sold one to that lady. Okay. And, um, and one of them said to me, you know, when did you start writing? And I said, uh, 1997. And literally 250 children went, <gasps> like that. And one went, last century? Which is <laughs> quite good. But and, anyway, uh, one 258-year-old went, you know, I was 237 <laughs> then. <laughs> I met on Saturday night. Who did you meet? I can't guess, I know. I, yeah, I met Emily from Off Of and Emily loved him. That would have been an incredible guess. If it, was it Emily from Backpuss? Yes, it was, good guess. Uh, it all was the people really we could her. Guess. It was really her, Rich. Really 
her how she looking. I quite fancied she her really at the time. I was the same. I don't fancy her now. I mean, I fancy her now, but not. I don't watch the opening credits of Bagpuss. She looked really good in a high back armchair. <laughs> and if I do, it's only for Madeline the Ragdoll, who is old. And um, a, a man from. How do you think Bagpuss got his baggy puss? <laughs> Sorry, and, a man, and a man from Ardman asked me if I wanted to go to his hotel room and hold Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> want to remember, is that what he did? Is that, what, is that, was that a salesman tactic come up? I've got a Wallace and Gromit and a Gromit in my thing. Uh, that was something for the people here. You won't understand that at home. Anyway, I've been, uh, I've been working pretty hard, unusually, since Edinburgh. It's been going on and I've been doing... Uh, I've been doing a new uh, actual radio series. I haven't got on TV with this show. I've got on the radio a lot since I did this. I'm moving up one medium at a time. For some reason, no one wants to have me in the flesh. I don't know why that is. Uh, but uh, you can hear what I've been doing for the last month. I've been working on a show for Radio 4 called Richard Herring's Objective, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Raho. <laughs> That, that's good. Uh, that starts on October the 14th at 6.30pm. It features me and uh, also TV's Emma Kennedy's in it, aren't you, Emma? Yeah, but, I'm in it uh, too, yeah. um, Dan's not in it. And, uh, well, yeah, how? Oh, hey. No, Dan. Oh, why, why am I... What? Well, we decided we, when the paying jobs came in, right, yeah. that me and Emma would clean up with the money. It was oh, like okay. a complicated scam we came up with. Yeah. So when my agent rang me up and said, are you free for these dates? Yeah. And gave me the dates of your recordings. Yeah. And then no one ever got back to me. <laughs> yeah. That did happen. That did uh, actually happen. <laughs> Because I, I, I didn't really want Christian to be. What I've done with Twitter, which we mentioned, that was then, this is now, uh, we had another guy in it, Danny Robbins. So when we went, did this show, I thought, we'll, we'll get rid of the Deadwood, we cut one off. And then we moved on with this, I thought, we'll, we'll get rid of another. It's like the reverse of the Magnificent Seven. That's, what, that's the way it works. So I was going to get rid of Christian. Or the but, end of the Magnificent Seven. But uh, Dan Tetzel asked for more than £85.11 a week. That's and true. that was it. That was the end of the negotiations. We couldn't afford. Uh, that's because that's of you. That's because of fucking Jonathan Ross, isn't it? Yeah. Fucking everything up. Fucking we couldn't bastards. afford to give Dan Tetzel and Christian yeah. Riley a proper job. Anyway, uh, I've been working a bit too hard, I would say. Uh, last night, I've been, well, this weekend's been really hard. I've done uh, one of the radio recordings of two other radio shows and this, and I've had to write this this morning. Um, I was last night at the Raho uh, recording. Yeah, I was catching on. Uh, I was actually experiencing chest pains. Now, some people might have had that and think, I probably won't spend all of tomorrow getting up at six o'clock and writing a podcast and then doing it in front of some idiots. But I'm made of stronger stuff. I'm prepared to die in order to bring you this half-written shit. Uh, I think there's a good chance that I might turn out to be the Dustin G of Lee and Heron. But... Um, I don't mind that at all, as long as Stuart Lee ends up being the Les Dennis of Liam Herring's. <laughs> if I do die uh, this week, my final wish is that you, the great British public, engineer it so that Stuart Lee spends the rest of his career presenting family fortunes. That was, <laughs> that's what I would have wanted, literally. So, we asked a hundred people... <laughs> oh, God, how'd it come to this? Something you wear on your feet. What do you think, Sarah? Is it bread, Stu? Bread. Is it bread, Stu? Is that your answer? Bread. Something you wear on your feet. Bread. No. No. Of course it, of course it isn't fucking bread. Ridiculous moron. Say the catchphrase. No, I won't. Uh, say it when you don't get paid. Oh, 
it's up there, I'll give you the money myself. <laughs> oh. How did this happen to me? How? Might just throw my microphone down and walk into the crowd. I never thought I'd say this, but I envy Richard Herring. Lucky, dead Richard Herring. That is my dying wish, so please make that happen um, if you can. <laughs> but uh, in more exciting news than my imminent death, tomorrow is Azed Kersami's first birthday! Yeah! Uh, and as a celebration, I thought we could just fill up the rest of the show with me and the rest of the cast just letting off some party poppers for, I don't know, that could probably last another hour. I've got loads of them. So, uh, that's, that's what we're going for with the party poppers. Yay! Yay, yeah, mate, wow! We're one year old, yay! Yeah, it's going quite well, the party poppers. People are still cheering. They, they seem to be enjoying it more the longer it goes on. You're having trouble with your party it's like poppers. like the opening to the Commonwealth Games. You must have Keep away I'm not from joking. people's I eyes. I think I have actually burst an image. Oh, oh my God. The man tried to grab that there. He's so excited about what came out of the party popper. And I've, run, I've nearly run out of party poppers. I've got two more. Oh, one more. One more. Oh. Good. Is that all the party poppers? That is all the party poppers now, yeah. Is that, was that an hour? <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, Christian, you do a sting and I'll start writing a script. Uh, hopefully I can keep a page ahead for the next 45 minutes. As it occurs to me Bringing you jokes about bodily fluids Since October 2009 Let's... Wednesday! This is what's occurred to me this week. Watching the Tory party conference, I came up with a way to reduce our national deficit. How about giving out a no-child benefit? Not, I'm not saying no-child benefit. What I'm saying is a no-child benefit. A weekly award of, say, £50 to every adult who's managed to be responsible with their sexcrement and not created a child, a mouth to feed, to be awarded to them every week as long as they remain fertile but childless. Think of all the money that would be saved on education, the NHS, they're always ill kids, uh, graffiti removal, uh, the policing of paedophiles, that costs a lot where there wouldn't be any of that. There were no children. Reward those responsible enough not to fill up the planet with their stinking spawn. Who's with me on that? Go on, David Cameron. You know it makes sense. Thursday. Uh, I watched a promotional clip for Dave's new series, One Night Stand, uh, featuring one of my childhood heroes, Ben Elton. Remember, he wrote Blackadder, amazing, and The Young Ones, which was one of my favourite ever shows. This is the clip verbatim. We're recreating it for you. This is the routine that Ben Elton does. Uh, the joke he has chosen to publicise the show with. This is exactly how he does it as well. I love, do you know, I love, I love the English, I love all the English town names, the towns are, 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 are steeped in history, the, 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 the names, they tell stories, and they stories of the past, of oh, great deeds, noble, uh, Iron Bridge, the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution, battle where the Norman Conquest began, Knights Cross, the gathering of Crusaders. Catford, where Mrs. Tiddles couldn't get home after a night out without down on the river. Oh, 
That doesn't make the blood run fast, does it? Not really. Why don't we just call it Crap River and admit it, eh? <laughs> I was devastated by that, I have to tell you. Not, not because one of my comedy gods had fallen so spectacularly from his heaven on high. He'd done that years ago, to be fair, but... My, my gripe was that Ben Elton had clearly stolen the whole concept of A.I. Ottoman. A half-hour stand-up show that was literally made up as it went along, obviously, <laughs> leaving in all the mistakes. And he managed to get it on TV! Well, Dave, but I'd take that. I would, I would take Dave. I just want to be on telly. My favourite bit is... Uh, go do and watch. It's on, it's on uh, YouTube if you want to get The favourite bit, he goes, he goes, stories of the past, great deeds, noble... And then he realises in his head he doesn't know what he's meant to say next. Uh, but he really needs two syllables to keep up the rhythm of the joke, so he just makes a noise. He goes, noble... Ah... Uh, <laughs> and hopes no one will notice, and somehow he got away with that. I don't know what happens on the next programme. Uh, I don't know what happens next on that programme, but I hope and pray it would be this. Oh, thanks, thanks very much. My name's Ben Elton. <laughs> right, hold it there. <laughs> Hello. No. Yeah, it's me, Lemmit Opic. <laughs> Segway. Actually, well, it's a bit of a drop off the stage, isn't it? <laughs> be careful on that thing. Right. <laughs> now, right, for the last six months, I have been going around the country on my Segway, trying to find someone less funny and with a worse comedic delivery than me, but to no avail. But finally, I have found you, Ben Elton, and I can say for once, knowing that I'm in the right, you write the heartless, horrible musicals and sell out on everything you once believed. And I'll do the jokes. <laughs> so, hello, Catford. Are you named after what would happen if Mrs. Tittles got in a car? Well, <laughs> <laughs> that, that joke was a bit rubbish and unfunny and totally. Uh... I'm still better than you. Oh, you sound a bit like my friend Rick Mail. No, I don't, Charlie. <laughs> I sound more like Ben Elton than you do. <laughs> Ben Elton uh, was doing that from his hometown, so his hometown is Catford, and he still felt the people of Catford wouldn't have heard the joke of it being Catford. It's very clever. Actually, Catford's called Catford because it was a cattle ford, so it's only half a pun uh, in any case. But uh, let's see if we can come up with similarly brilliant jokes about our hometowns. What's your hometown? Uh, uh, Horsham. 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 With a. It's a town where women have penises instead of vaginas when you pay them money. Too funny, that is actually too funny uh, <laughs> to be a Ben Elton joke. Emma, where, yes. where, where are you from? I, I'm from Hitchin. Yeah. So. Why is it called that? Because there was a man with a chin. Yeah. And someone hit it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good. The R saved it. What about you? Where are you from, uh, Christian? I'm from Nottingham. Nottingham, that's a hard one. Uh, it's where they put the knots in the hand. Ah, oh, good. Go. Yeah, good. <laughs> there you go. That's good. They're all better than Ben Elms. What to be honest. I'm from I'm from Cheddar. There's no pun on that. There's no double meaning of that in the world. Anyway, carry on. Is there a let's do a sting? Yes, let's do a sting. As it occurs to me, herring give up mate. 
call time on your Z-list jokes and grab a job with healing counsel or something similar. Go and make some colleagues laugh. Down at your local after a hard day doing nothing in the town hall. Clearly you're not good enough to entertain me. Do yourself a favor, you are just not funny. Thank you very much. Applaud that. Applaud that. As the iTunes one star reviews are now all from people who like the show and are just trying to get mentioned, uh, I've scoured the internet for genuine insults, and there are a lot. Don't Google yourself ever. Uh, that one was a comment from the suspiciously named Jesus Now 100. <laughs> the way he doesn't like me. Uh, that's on the YouTube video of me dealing with a persistent drunken heckler. It's worth a look if you fancy it. Uh, it's very specific. That's what I like. He's kind of really thought out. You don't really get heckles like that where someone goes, What you should do is work for Ealing Council, <laughs> but not do any work, but be able to go to the pub where you'll be able to make... The only pe it's kind of an insult to the people who work at Ealing Council that they have such a shit sense of humour that only me in the pub would be able to make them laugh. So I think we should both be equally upset about that. But speaking of criticism of some Christians, uh, I can't imagine what I've done to annoy them. That's what gets me. I, uh, I got an early AI Ottoma <laughs> birthday present uh, last week, just as I was about to step on stage at a gig in Islington. I received an email to my iPhone about my upcoming Christ on a Bike tour, which starts in December. Uh, this is the whole thing. This is the email exactly as written. Hi there, Richard. Uh, it's nice and friendly start, and looking forward to reading this, it's nice and friendly. I got info about your upcoming gig at the Ironworks in Venice via the Ironworks mailing list. I think the name you've chosen for your tour is highly offensive, and I can't believe that you could not have thought of something else more suitable. That's quite interesting, apparently she's more concerned with the title of the show than the contents of the show. <laughs> Like, she wouldn't mind it being the exact same show as long as it was called something less offensive than Christ on a Bike, which isn't that offensive, isn't it? Unless you're particularly infuriated by anachronism. I myself am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you are mocking. And all I can tell you is that for a fact, God will not sit back and be mocked. <laughs> Much as I love the idea of God sitting back, have <laughs> Taking it easy, maybe with a cup of nectar, probably in a high-backed armchair with a little semi-circular toilet mat. And then he's just got himself comfy and he's forced to sit up, hasn't he? And take action, not because a child has been abducted or some men are trapped down a mine or people have been killed by a tsunami. He lets sits back for all that but because someone has joked about him. The annoying thing about that one was that when Dermot Morgan died, he played Father Ted, one of the lady in the Daily Mail or the Daily Express, she said the same thing. She said the reason Dermot Morgan had died was because God will not be mocked. <laughs> I mean, if God is, he's choosing a rather soft target out of all the people God could have killed for mocking him. The bloke who plays Father Ted, a rather delightful, unrealistic look at the Catholic clergy in Ireland, I would say in that Father Ted never abuses a single child in it. <laughs> Maybe he would pick them off, but he doesn't even kill Graham Linnan or 
or Joseph Fritzl. You know, I think I might go for them before the bloke from Father said, I think God would, I hope that God would have a better sense of humour than that. If you continue this route, it will all come to no good. And that is not to say that I wish that on you, I certainly don't. I just hope and pray for your sake that you turn from this particular folly. And I hope and pray no harm will come to ye. But beware, my God is no pushover and he knows what you're about. Whether you believe or not is immaterial. Shit, that's not, that's not fair, because I thought I'd, be get, I'd have a get out there because I don't believe in God, so it wouldn't matter if a crazy woman in Scotland was threatening me that God was going to decide to kill me for a show that, broadly speaking, is quite supportive about his son. Uh, and it doesn't matter, because he's going to punish me whether I believe or not. My atheism is immaterial, and there's no way for me to argue my way out of that. Is it? It's, it's terrible. It changes nothing. He knows your every thought, never mind what you do and say. I would not want to be in your shoes. May God bless ye and keep ye safe as you turn and walk in his way. All the best. In love and sincerity, from Deborah Hartman, Mrs. It's not, not a real name. I've been kind enough not to do that. Uh, why would someone who's Christian and Scottish have anything against me? I can't understand. What have I done? But what a wonderfully Christian attitude there Mrs Deborah Hartman has. Getting furious. I'm not a little threatening about a show that she's not even been to. But that's fair enough, because you will remember from your New Testament that Jesus, he did, he's famously said, judge things that you haven't seen. I think yeah, I remember... <laughs> As well as, the, I'm pretty sure he said, if something offends thee, then send them threatening missives, veiling them with the pretense that you hope nothing bad will happen, where you clearly hope something bad will happen. It's like kind of people trying to get stuff for the mafia, isn't it? I uh, hope nothing goes wrong. Oh, that would be awful. And we mustn't forget, of course, Jesus definitely said, if you think someone might have sinned, but have very little to back up your suspicions, then do make sure you're the one who throws the first stone. Just in case. Uh, but... Uh, I was literally about to step on stage uh, that night, and I think Mrs. Uh, DH, DH, Mrs. was hoping to scare or unnerve me with the email, but my immediate genuine thought was, brilliant, that's five minutes of AR to my sorted event. Uh, but I also realised I could just read the email out at the gig I was about to do, and effectively make about £50 for someone else's material. So, thanks for the money, uh, Mrs. DH. Uh, I then went on stage in the comedy club, which, as it happened, was taking place in the consecrated church on a Saturday. There's going to be a church on a Sunday. And from the stage, I called God a cunt. Uh, and I told him that his Ten Commandments were inelegantly written. And God did nothing. Uh, it looks like God will be mocked, doesn't it? And uh, if, he won't, <laughs> if you won't be God mocked, God, I challenge you to do something about it right now. Ooh, ooh my chest. Ooh. As it occurs to me. I was at the Westfield Shopping Centre with my non-imaginary real girlfriend on the way to the supermarket. There was a promotion going on for something or other with people, you know, handing out little black bags, presumably, I'm guessing, with cosmetics in them. The man doing it saw us and then said to me... Would you like a free sample for your wife? 
which was a little bit awkward. Uh, of course, she's just my girlfriend. I'm not married to her. I got out of it by saying, well, she's not my wife, but thanks for bringing that up, uh, which luckily made my girlfriend laugh. Uh, it was, uh, but uh, we just walked away. I got away with it for the, for the moment. But, you know, if I could turn back time, I'd like to say some thanks to AI Ottima. I can. If I could turn back time, what would I do differently? Would you like a free sample for your wife? No! No, I wouldn't. What the fuck do you think you're doing? You see a bloke with a woman and assume they're married? No, I just, I just thought you looked so happy. That's probably a clue that we're not married. <laughs> I, I didn't mean anything by it. Look, pal, listen, I am 43 years old. I know I don't look it. You do look it. I, I don't. Stop, <laughs> stop saying I don't look it. You look older. I don't, I'm 40, I, unbelievable, I'm 43 years 43. old. And I've managed to get this far without getting married, which I consider to be quite an achievement. But I've been with my girlfriend for almost three years now, so that subject it's kind of bubbling under a little bit. I've managed to bat it away every time it comes up. But I don't need you coming out of nowhere stirring things up. What's in that mysterious bag? Is it an open can of worms? Oh, no. Just some moisturiser. Maybe if you used it, you look a bit younger. I mean, he has got a point, though, Richard. I mean, we have been going out for a long time. Maybe we should be thinking about our future together. Or, um... Maybe you should marry Emma Kennedy. <laughs> see, see, see what you've done here. Thanks a lot, pal. Now I've got two women asking why I'm not married to them, thanks to you. What is this? Are you employed by one of the jewellers to spot unmarried people and then get them all worked up and into arguments so they, they can shift some engagement rings? No, no, but that's not a bad idea. Why, what is this? Why are you even asking me? Why are you going, is, do you want a bag for your wife? Why don't you ask her whether she wants a bag? What is this? The 1960s? Is that, I, I can't speak, you can't speak. What, do you work for Sterling Cooper? Is that, you are so sexist, it is ridiculous. Well, hang on a minute. You're the one who's written a sketch where all all the women want to get married to you. Look, 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 I'm sorry I said it, you know, I sh I sh you know. Oh, if I could just turn back time. Well, thanks to the magic of AI Optima, you what? can. Hey. If the promotional assistant from the Westfield could turn back time, what would he do differently? Oh, if the promotional assistant from Westfield could turn back time. Oh, come on in, let's go down the swings and drink cider. No, I just had this, you know, this vision, like, of my future, where I was handing out bags of, you know, shitty makeup to, you know, tubby blokes and their inexplicably attractive girlfriends. Uh, you know, I think I'll stay here and work on my exam so I can get a proper job. <laughs> if I can say... Allow the 
promotional assistant from the Westfields and turned back time so that he could work hard as an exams and get a better job and not end up doling out perfume samples in a shopping mall. If he could turn back time, I think that's what Bridget Herring would do. Well, if you could turn back time, Casey, what would you? <laughs> if I could turn back time, what would I do differently? I'd think twice and three or four times before accepting this gig. <laughs> if I could turn back time. Good. Anyway, now, uh, Christian Ryan, let's go. He's a very talented young man. We don't deserve Anyway, now it's time to come down to you, the audience, to see what has occurred to you this week. I'd written happened in the script, which is stupid, because that... So as it occurs to me, what an idiot. Uh, but I, I was professional and I worked around it and said occurred. No one knows the difference. So uh, has anything occurred to anyone this week? Hands up if you've got something and I will relay it to the people at home. Don't be scared. Uh, hello there, sir. The Czech shirt. I was watching the uh, Tory party conference. You're watching the Tory party conference, sir? Uh, it struck me how much George Osborne resembled an aggrieved nun. It struck you how much George Osborne resembled an aggrieved nun. No. Oh, that's better. <laughs> I don't know, I think I prefer a grieved nun. <laughs> what has someone done to a, an aggrieved nun? He does a little bit, yeah. If you put the little hat on him. You should do the advertising campaign for the Labour Party the next. <laughs> do you want to have this country run by an aggrieved gnome? <laughs> And his puppet face friend. Uh, anyway, thank you very much. It's kind of joke, a blind man trying out his material there. <laughs> this has turned into an open spot. It's harder than it looks, isn't it? Got to make sure people hear no when you're saying no. You can sound like none. It's a difficult job. Anyone else? Has Any, anything occurred to Hello, sir. Grey, silver fox, maybe a blonde man, in fact. Uh, well, this week, uh, Chris pulled up outside my work. Chris pulled up outside your work. Was he in a car? Uh, yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> Okay, then his Scouse colleague said, in a Scouse accent, oh my God, that's Christopher. Dipirk. And he goes, hiya, Christy. She thought for her whole life that his name was Christy. <laughs> <laughs> she thought for a whole life that Christy's name was Christy. Christy Burke. How did Christy, how did Christy respond? No. Was she embarrassed? Yeah, because she would have been a lady in red if she had been the red in the face. It's harder being a comedian than it looks, isn't it? Bring the, bring the open spot back on. Uh, so, I've got a lot to learn from Ben Elton. Uh, uh, <laughs> and Lemba Obik. And, uh, and uh, yes. Anyone else got to say, yeah, oh no, that's just a man picking his nose, but that has now become what occurred to you this week. The flag, it's like when you're in a, an auction, you've got to be very careful here not to make a sudden move. He's eating something, he, he just wiped his nose and then he popped something in his mouth. You're sitting next to him. What's his name? What? You can say something as well. What is it? Is it that you picked your nose and ate it? On a national pod, an international podcast that goes into space, and aliens may have heard it and know that you picked your nose and ate it. Is that what occurred to you this week? No. no. You were in Oslo last week. And I saw on the telly the Chris Beard famous comedy 
No, you saw lab rats on lab rats on telly in Oslo with stars. Dan Detzel. Because only in Norwegian, badly, you have a lot to be sorry for. What does the man who's... they not a very good into... translation. <laughs> have they dubbed him into a Norwegian accent? No. Uh, it's just still him. It's still bad. Do it in a bit of... Not, do a Norwegian bit of lab rap. If you prick me, do I not? <laughs> he's got a special belt with Tetzel written on it today. He's come in to make him big himself up, to make himself feel important. Then you come in. I expect you don't like him in mongrels either, do you? He's the biggest failure of my life and you bring it up in front of 10, oh. 12 people. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for lab rats, we wouldn't have Dan Tetzel. I feel as if I should take one for the team. Okay. I, oh, God, no. I was in... I... <laughs> I was in the worst comedy of all time called Planet Mirth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was shit. <laughs> it was so bad it went out at 3 a.m. in the morning. And when I went to the audition for it, the, in the, Norway, the, the executive, uh, they, they didn't give me any scripts to read. I just sort of went in and, and, and met them. And, um, and he said, I'll, I'll explain to you what it's going to be like. And he got this small uh, plastic figurine like you get in a cornflakes packet, and he just stood it in a in in a in a plant pot next to a plant. And it's gonna be like that. <laughs> he was right. And he was right. <laughs> Wasn't he quite was as good right. as that. He yeah. aimed a bit high, yeah. as it turned out. Yeah. I imagine you wish you could turn back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Now don't be nasty to the, my lovely colleagues. You can be rude about me, but don't be. Don't Dan is, might not be able to do the rest of the show. It's fine. <laughs> uh, and we'll go for one or two more if there are any more. If not, yes, sir. Another sir. It's not. There are some women. In, there are some attractive women in the audience. Oh, well, there's an opera singer here who is gorgeous with a bloke who looks like the back end of a bus. <laughs> um, what was this? I can't remember where we were. There, hello, sir. Yes. Are you the man who got in touch with me earlier that you wanted to bring your fiance to a gig in Norwich? But there's a 50-seat gig I'm doing in Norwich in a couple of weeks, and uh, it's sold out because I am an international comedian <laughs> whose podcast goes into space, <laughs> according to me. And so when I go to Norwich, 50 people. Buy if you wanted. Can you get me? It's my fiance's birthday. Can you get me a ticket? Because no, I fucking can't buy a ticket. <laughs> you or your fiance, but bad luck, ring up in advance. I'm very popular. Oh, you <laughs> <laughs> the red hatted man is turned. It's, it's Frank Spencer for the 21st century and he's, he's in his beret, he's turned. <laughs> I'm a bastard, for what? So anyone can email me go, oh, it's my fiancé's birthday, can I have free tickets to the sold-out gig? There's only a certain number of tickets in the gig. I'm going to Norwich for three nights hang in on, the spring. On. If she comes in a wheelchair, she it's can one get seat, in. It's two seats. Is there any chance she's disabled? She will be. She will be. <laughs> Once I put my cock inside her on the wedding night. 
you've not, you've not brought her tonight. I'm very sorry you couldn't make it, but I am. I would remind people I'm, I'm a very popular comedian and my upcoming tour, Christ on the Bike. Don't leave it till a week before. I'm playing some venues with 50 seats in them. That's how popular I am. There's a gentleman at the back there. Hello, sir. Hello. My friend claims he's not a stalker. Yeah. That's not a good start. My friend claims he's not a stalker. You know, if you're not a stalker, you don't have to start a sentence that way. Think about me, I'm not a stalker. Well, no, I would assume not. Until you say you're not a stalker. In which case, I would assume you definitely are a stalker. What's he been doing? His company's Moon on a Stick Limited. His company's Moon on a Stick Limited. That's fine, that's allowed. It's not our original phrase. It's something our grands used to say. Uh, a really novel stalking is, tactic. Um, <laughs> is the man from Twitter here who, who tweeted me and Richard today to say he was bringing his wide? <laughs> Let's have a look at him. There he is! <laughs> I think he was a spelling mistake. Did your wide come with you? <laughs> oh, and she is. <laughs> Thank you. I tell you who's wider though is is you, mate. You want to be careful when you call him wide, as, as, as do I. As does Emma Kennedy. Have you seen the signs of Emma Kennedy's arms? Fucking hell. That's why it's good listening at home. That's the one advantage. I'm getting one back. That was part of being a feminist. She was rude to a woman, and I was supporting women. I was referring to her vagina. <laughs> a wide vagina. Well, I think we might move on. <laughs> one of the things that I did, I've been doing this show about uh, different, reclaiming different objects, and I've been, uh, the last one I did was, and this is something that I wasn't really allowed to do on the show, so I'm going to tell you about it. And the last one I did was about cloning, it was about Dolly the Sheep, uh, that'll be on in a few weeks on Radio 4. But um, I was kind of doing research, and during my research into cloning, I, in the research, I just came across a website on which there was a film, a, a, an adult film, in which it revolved around the cloning process. And uh, so I knew this was research, so I watched. And what I was quite impressed with it, it was one of those uh, porn films with quite a lot of narrative, which I quite enjoy when they go, to the, they go to the trouble of not just jumping straight down your throat, so to speak. So, and they, uh, they, uh, there was a scientist in a laboratory and he was talking about the cloning process. And I've been researching about this and it was bang on. It was going, yeah, what we do is you take uh, the set one cell from uh, one animal and then you inject uh, the uh, nucleus of a different one from a skin type and that can grow. We can do that by nuclear transfer. Well, this is great. This is a really well-researched uh, thing. But then what it turned out, because obviously with cloning, uh, you get the exact copy of something, but it's a baby. But, uh, it, it, it is born in a natural way, you can't like photocopy it. It turned out what this scientist had done in the porn film was to clone himself uh, four times, and then suddenly these other clones of him, which as an adult came in, that wouldn't work. It doesn't work like that. Suddenly the, the narrative of the film was let down. I thought the educational purposes of this is going to be that people started well, and now people are going to watch this and think you can just photocopy yourself. You can't. And this scientist, if you clone someone, right, if you clone Hitler, you would, you'd get someone who looked exactly like Hitler, but it might eventually, but it might not be the same as Hitler. It probably wouldn't be, you know, Hitler, he wouldn't have the personality in the same way. Twins don't necessarily have the same personality, apart from Jed would really do. Uh, but, uh, and I think you don't really have to worry if Hitler came back, you know, because even if he was evil and exactly the same as the original Hitler, I think people would be quite wary of him this time round. <laughs> 
possibly not vote him in, so I think he'd be safe. But uh, he, he created these clones, and the idea was that he was going to send them out. This was the porn film. He was going to send out the clones to have sex with four different women while he stayed in the laboratory. So, which, we think about it, is a bit of a waste of cloning, because A, if the clone can have sex with the four different women, he can have sex with the four different women. What he's doing is just trying to do it four at once. For some reason, but it's not even him. But, it, but there was, again, an accuracy, which again annoyed me, is that he... Uh, I don't want to go into massive detail about this film, but I'm going to. Uh, in which he had somehow created it so he could feel the sensations that everything of those clones could feel. So that was why it was clever. But I would still say that, sitting in a laboratory working on something while a clone of you fucks some woman and feeling that and coming in your pants. Still not as good as just going out and just having sex. It was concerning me, the inaccuracy of it. And, uh, and one of the time, one of the clones went out and was just sort of watching some people having sex in a toilet cubicle and masturbating over it. And then he would come back to the scientists in the laboratory going, ah, ah, going, well, surely that's not even as good as just having a wank on your, on your own. But as in all science films, and this is one of the problems, is that he got his... He got his come up when you meddle with science, he got his come up and because he hadn't thought through, he thought, oh I'll feel everything they feel and I'll be able to have sex. I'd love this scientist that I thought like that. This would be a great way of feeling what it's like to have sex. He was really laughing all the time. But what happened is one of the crones got his cock all tied up by an angry man, and then he felt that. He hadn't thought he would feel everything, and someone else stuffed some roses up his ass and he felt that as well. So that is the don't mess with cloning. That is, at least that is the message of the film. Thank you. As it occurs to me Cloning the same joke over and over since October 2009 Wednesday. I was out in Central London at a restaurant um, having a curry with the producer and the team of the, at the Absolute Radio Show. I did it this weekend. I've been singing for Dave Gordon. You can listen to that podcast if you're at home. Uh, halfway through, a gang of about six kids, who were all about ten years old, came in and they started going around from table to table in a restaurant. I thought this was weird. None of the staff tried to stop them, which was odd enough in itself. But even odder was the fact that all the kids had kind of slightly flimsy rubber masks kind of draped over their faces, which made them resemble, if anything, that woman from off of the 7-7 and uh, that's what they look most like. One of them came, one of them came to our table, and I genuinely thought for a second that she was maybe a Burns victim collecting for a charity until she said, Take or treat! So I looked again, and the mask was a Halloween mask. Of course, I should have said, Trick or treat? What the fuck do you think you're doing? We're trick or treating! Trick or treat! Wait, wait, come quickly, there's a gang of feral children running around your restaurant, begging. Yeah, yeah, but what can I do about it? Well, could you ask them to leave? I am just one man in a team of eight waiting staff, and they are five ten-year-old kids. I, I don't like those odds. I, I can't take the risk. Trick or treat! I mean, this is wrong on so many levels. Who goes trick-or-treating in a restaurant? First of all, tri- trick-or-treating happens at people's houses. You ring the doorbell so they can pretend to be out if they wish. You can't trick-or-treat in a restaurant. People have come here to eat and chat with friends and get away from sexcrement and all that shit. Why would you trick-or-treat in here? Who would have brought sweets with them to a restaurant? Only an opportunistic paedophile. <laughs> No one has sweets in here. What are you hoping to get, you kids? What we'll give you, some poppadom? Is that what you're after? Do you want an onion bargey to take away? No, give us some money, trick 
or cheat. If you've come trick or treating, then it's trick or treat, not trick or some money. Trick or treat. Stop saying trick or treat over and again if that's an answer. Listen to my cogent arguments. Another flaw in your brilliant trick or treating in a restaurant plan is this is England. Trick or treating is an American tradition, so stop trying to import it over here along with proms and glee clubs. And if you want to get some free food and stuff, go scrump some apples or shoplift from a tuck shop. That's what we do here. Trick or treat. Look, you know what? The main problem with your genius plan of trying to trick or treat in an Indian restaurant in England is that today is October the 6th. There are more than three weeks to Halloween. But apart from being in the wrong location, the wrong country, on the wrong date, asking for the wrong thing, this is a wonderful money-making scheme. Are you going to give me some money or not? Maybe, well, maybe you put a bit of effort into your costumes, but, you know, I'm not sure that a 7-7 victim is an appropriate costume for Halloween. Yeah, and uh, the rubber mask lady didn't even die, and she's recovered from her injury, so it's doubly inappropriate. Yeah, it is. What? <laughs> I've given you some money. Maybe if you'd worn a pumpkin, that's... What's a pumpkin? Don't worry, darling. You'll find out when you're older. In about six years' time. That will be opened up to you. But I can't help feeling that if your fathers had responsibly deposited their sexcrement into a pumpkin rather than into your mother's vaginas, then this world might be a better place. Are you going to give me some money? No, I'm not going to give you any money. What are you doing, Lee? If you don't give you anything, if I don't give you anything, you're meant to play a trick on me. You don't even understand trick or trick. You children are pricks. <laughs> but you know, that wasn't the only bit of unseasonal behaviour, because the next day I went to the house of scientist, rationalist and writer of the brilliant book Bad Science, uh, Ben Goldacre. Do you know him? He too, I was going to interview him for the cloning episode I mentioned. About, I talked to him about the, the porn film. He didn't seem interested in that. But... <laughs> But when me and my producer got to the flat, he offered us some tea, which was nice, and then cheerily said, would you like some Christmas cake? <laughs> Has the world turned upside down? Children trick-or-treating in restaurants on October the 6th, scientific, scientific atheists offering Christmas cake on October the 7th. I was here to find out about why people viewed science and scientists with suspicion, but... All I was interested in the whole time I was talking to him was the Christmas cake and why Ben Goldacre was eating it in October. I had to think of some way to subtly shift the conversation from cloning to Christmas cake. And I came up with a good plan. I said, so how come you're eating Christmas cake, Ben? And Ben Goldacre admitted to me that he just really likes Christmas cake. And um, uh, I mean, we go, well, how'd you get a Christmas cake in October? And he said, well, what I have to do is I buy a lot of Christmas cake at Christmas time, and then I put it in the freezer. And then what you have to do, you find the square Christmas cakes from the cuboid ones from Marks and Spencers, because then you can fit more into your freezer. He's obsessed with Christmas cake. He had like marzipan down his face as I was talking to him. I talked to him about cloning, and my producer said that isn't even a Christmas cake, it's got birthday written on the icing. And he said, Well, yeah, I've run out of Christmas. He likes Christmas cake so much, he'd run out and had to go and buy a birthday cake that was made the same way as a Christmas cake. And I said, But Ben, it's Christmas cake. I mean, isn't the thing with Christmas cake that it just lasts forever and you can have Christmas cake any time? But he said, No, he's a slave to sell vitates. So, unless. That's ruined everything that Ben Goldacre... Whenever I see Ben Goldacre from now on, I'm just going to think of him scoffing Christmas cake. 
thinking about where he's going to hoard away his next Christmas cake. <laughs> I thought he was a rational man, and now it's, that is ammunition to any sceptics out there, non-sceptics out there to come and just send, everyone should send him a Christmas cake via his publishers, and if you don't like him, you can put some poison in one of them, probably. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> And he didn't think my idea of cloning Amy Pond and keeping three of her in my basement was a good idea. <laughs> He's the one who eats Christmas cake! All the time. In October! That would ruin Christmas. Christmas cake's the worst cake as well. That is the ridiculous thing about it. Anyway, now over to Christian Riley for one of his topical songs. It's great to be back in London and doing this podcast and uh, London and this podcast are my two favourite things uh, so I'm, I've written a little anthem about that. Have you seen the old men drinking cut price alcoholic liquid? In a shop doorway With a wet patch on his leg No, I haven't either I've been living here so long I don't see the Many casualties Of an insane economic system So how can you tell me You're feeling blue Come to the podcast And hear our song Oh, let me take you by the hand and sit you in my high-backed armchair I'll show you something that'll make you feel alright An emotionally vulnerable woman will dance upon my semicircular toilet bath mat We'll make a pumpkin and put it on her seen my brand new top I got it from a motorcycle clothing shop <laughs> Aside, I didn't <laughs> There's a funny story about that Aside, the story's not funny But the story about the story not being funny Is actually funny So fuck your one-star review, you twat <laughs> Oh, let me take you I'll show you something that'll make you feel okay Oh, let me take you by the hand And lead you to a motorcycle clothing shop Ignore that old man getting pissed in the doorway <laughs> Thanks to Christian right there Attempting to destroy the podcast from within. <laughs> His satire. And that's pretty much the end of this episode. There are only two more AI Optimus this year. There's every chance we may never do any of this again. So please come along and support us live if you can. Well, look, how many people are here? None. So <laughs> fuck you. I really killed myself writing this for you wankers. Uh, the gigs are on the 17th of October at the Leicester Square Theatre and the 1st of November back here at the Bloomsbury. Do check your tickets so you don't go to the wrong venue. <laughs> like, 
like half the people who are here. There is an extra 40 minutes of stuff that you won't be able to get online and you can see www.richardherring.com for details of those and also my popular Christ on a bike tour which is going to Inverness where I will be killed. Uh, <laughs> if you live too far away or just lazy then you can make a contribution by buying the secret stand-up DVD which has mp3s of six of the exclusive stand-up bits from series two of the show plus a video recording of show four. You can get that from www.gofasterstrike.com as well as all my other DVDs including, including the new Hitting the Moustache DVD which is out very soon with an exclusive disc of four hours of extra extras which are only available from Go Faster Strike. Thank you very much for coming. See you at the next one. Uh, I, uh, I now now know that through Pavlov star conditioning you're expecting something surprising like tiny Andrew Collins to come on and do something funny and say aside a lot aren't you well comedy is all about surprise and today's surprise is that that isn't going to happen um, tiny Andrew Collins is dead if you would know if you're paying attention so is Subo she is dead Tam DL is dead TV's Emma Kennedy is also dead no I'm, I'm still alive that must have been a slow acting poison on those Haribos, and I imagine that's, that's the genuine end of the show. There's no surprise this week. There will be no Deus Ex Machina this week. Hello, it's me, God. And I have arrived here on this machine, a Segway. Oh, it's literally a Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> God on a Segway? Might be a good tour name. Yeah, yeah. Um, a uh, bloke just arrived in heaven selling these babies. They, uh, they look awfully good. He said they had an almost perfect safety record. <laughs> now, I just wanted to say that I've got as good a sense of humour as anyone I really have. I, I love that thing that Peter Kay does about garlic bread. Yes, he, and the pause there. No, Michael McIntyre, he does that thing about the man draw. I have one of those. I have a man draw. <laughs> I keep all the bad men in it on fire. It is cold hell! <laughs> and that is where you are going right now, Richard Herring, because I will not be mocked! Whether you believe in me or not is immaterial. I'm still gonna do it! No, alright, alright, fair enough. I'm sorry I mocked you, but I, I accept my punishment. Before you kill me, can I just have one last wish? I'm God, you prick, not a genie of the lamp. All I, all I want, just my, my final wish, is just to tell one joke before I die. All right, very well. As long as you don't mock me, I don't... Oh, I, don't I'm, mock. I won't mock you, I've learned okay. my lesson. Very well. Yeah, I love... You know, I love... I love the English. I love the... I love the English theatre names, the theatres that... Steeped in history, the, 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 the names tell stories, stories of the past, the great actors, noble, <laughs> the Gielgud, named after John Gielgud, the Globe, where all the world was a stage, the Bloomsbury, where a berry that was blue suffered from multiple sclerosis. And... I don't get it. Blue, blue MS Berry Blooms... Blue S. Bloomsbury. That's not a joke. No, no, you're right. It is. Let me try again. The Bloomsbury, where Mrs. Tiddles dug up a hole and put in her mistress's knickers and covered them up again. What? Bur buried her blooms... 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 No, no, that, isn't a that isn't a joke either. No, you... Yeah. They buried some flowers, blooms... The blooms... These are, these are embarrassing. <laughs> no, you are right. You're right, God. I know I am infallible. <laughs> but remember, you promised on the Holy Bible that you are standing on that I could tell one joke before I died, and I haven't told a joke. 
as long as I don't tell a joke, then you can't kill me. I'll live forever, living in peace and happiness and placid. Ah. Uh. <laughs> you fell into my trap. But you've never said a joke in 43 years. And you'll never be funny, so this means... <laughs> I will never die. Oh, fuck that. Oh, right. Well, I might not be able to kill you, but I'm going to do something far worse. Magic it so that you get a job on Ealing Council. Oh. Yes, I just need to touch you with my magic wand. Oh, don't oh. Rich. He's coming for you on his segway waving his godly cock. That's his magic wand, his cock. Watch out, God. Watch the lip of the stage. Oh, no, no. The segway is spinning out of control. This isn't the time to quote Nietzsche, Emma. No, Rich, he's dead. You've killed God. Blimey. Now I'll catch it. <laughs> See you next week, everyone. Well, apart from God.